You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John and I'm delighted to be joined by um, a hero of mine growing up as an Aberdeen fan, um, former Aberdeen player who had spells at Coventry and Bradford and Nottingham Forest as well and a Scotland international. Ian Jess, how are you? I'm very well, thank you John, yeah. Um, a little bit cold out here in Spain at the moment, so not as warm <laughs> as you probably think it is, but it's um, a little bit cooler now. So Yeah, but as we discussed... <laughs> As we discussed off air, you're 13 degrees higher than um, it is over here in Scotland, so thank yourself, Lucky. Yeah, um, I mean, that's like the rest of the world from Aberdeen. It's always cold in Aberdeen. Yeah. Well, I'm not in Aberdeen personally, um, but you're probably another couple of degrees higher than Aberdeen, to be fair, at this time of year. Slightly, yeah, slightly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah well, obviously when I was growing up, you were a fresh-faced young 19, 20-year-old, but this weekend you're going to be 50. That's making me feel a bit... Wow, I can only feel, imagine how you're feeling coming this weekend, um, or as the uh, podcast goes out, will be your 50th. Uh, yeah, uh, can't believe it really, so I'm not that fresh baby-faced um, yeah, youngster that I was, I'm now that wrinkly old 50-year-old something, so um, yeah, time flies, time <laughs> flies, but hey, there's nothing you can do about it, but um, yeah, looking forward to this, uh, yeah, it's like a yeah, 50th, I, I when I turn forty, I sort of look forward to it. When I turn fifty, I'm sort of looking forward to it. It's like a, yeah. it's like a landmark. So, yeah, it will be a different kind of celebration, I'd imagine, because you can't really. Well, I don't know what it's like in Spain just now, but you can't really um, do any big social gatherings, I'd imagine. No, it's. Um, I mean, the restrictions have changed ever over the last few months, and now it's um, basically the, the bars and restaurants are open, uh, obviously to a sort of not capacity. Um, Whereas two weeks ago they weren't, so um, they are at the moment. But uh, you have to be you have to be in your house at ten o'clock. That's a curfew. Really? So ten o'clock in the evening, you all have to be in. So it's it's rather strange, it's rather bizarre. But that's been the last, I think, the last month. It's been like that. You have to be sort in the house. So the the bars and uh, restaurants are closing at like half nine. Uh, 10 o'clock so um, but it's just you know you just have to sort of abide by the rules they're, sort of, they're quite quite stringent here so it's like there's quite you know the police are, are patrolling things and, and keeping things controlled so um, it's just important this is done you know so it's just so everybody can get through it safe and sound so yeah, exactly. And um, what, is there any? Obviously, you're aware that in the UK that um, the vaccine's been rolled out this week as we speak. Um, what, what's the situation in Spain? Uh, well, it's just just the same. Everybody's waiting for the vaccine. So, um, I mean, obviously, Spain were, was hit really, really hard at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, our restrictions have probably been a little bit more, uh, well, yeah, more stringent than you know than back back home. So, um, but it's just it's just the way that things are at the moment. So, you know, the quicker they can get the vaccine out, the better for for everybody in uh, Spain. Uh, the UK um, and the world, you know. So um, hopefully we can get through it safe and sound. You know, it's just it's just a difficult time for everybody. You know. Yeah, it's it's difficult for everyone worldwide, as you mentioned. Obviously, Spain got it quite bad in the beginning. Obviously, UK followed suit and overtook in terms of the 
toll numbers, but we won't go there. Um, mm. But as you say, the main thing is that everyone's safe and sound, and you're still able to catch up with people on Zoom at the very least. So we're lucky that we live in this day and age that we can do that, whereas when people were fighting in a war, you had nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, this situation with Skype and Zoom and things like that, just sort of FaceTime and, and keeping in touch with people, you know, that's especially in the current climate, you know, it's, 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 it's been difficult for everyone. So, I mean, that's, that's a bonus in itself that you can actually do that and you sort of keep in touch with people and family and things like that, um, which is so important. Um, but as I said earlier, I just hope that hopefully we can get through it and um, we can get to the other side and things can get back to a little bit more norm- normality. Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully with the vaccine, a few other things that we will start seeing progression in 2021 that we don't have the same year that we had in 2020. Um, what made you want to go to Barcelona in the first place? Uh, well, somebody asked me that a while, a while back, so I said, why not? Um, I don't know, I just wanted to change. I, saw, uh, I lost my job at Peterborough and um, I wanted to, when I actually sort of retired from football, I wanted to sort of take a sabbatical anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I got the opportunity to sort of go in at Nottingham Forest as a coach. So, um, and I was living in Nottingham at the time. So, you know, I thought, well, maybe I don't get the opportunity again. So, um, I went straight from sort of retiring. It was only maybe retiring from actually playing to then sort of going to coaching. It was probably within a month or two months. Um, and then, obviously, I then got the, the Peterborough job, and um, I sort of lost lost that job. And um, I just thought, right, I'm going to take a sabbatical. So um, I thought, I like to travel, so and I love Barcelona. So I then decided to sort of come here and, and try it out initially for like, um, it was six months. And then that six months has now became, I think, five, six years now. So, um, But yeah, why not? Have <laughs> yeah. you got a nice job out there as well? Uh, no, I'm sorry to say. Um, I'm retired. Retired. <laughs> nice. um, I just um, actually came out here to do property stuff, but then obviously um, that's not materialised, which is probably a good thing because of Brexit and things like that. So yeah. um, obviously the pound of the euro was wasn't isn't as quite as good as it was five six years ago when I initially moved here. So um, from that point of view, it's probably better that I, that I didn't do it. Um, so basically, yeah, I'm a beach bum. Um, I'm retired. I'm retired at fifth. Well, I was retired sort of five, six years ago. So um, yeah, I count myself lucky that I've been. I'm in a situation that I can do it. So, um, but going back to the football, I don't. I don't really miss it. I thought that maybe I would have done after sort of taking that sabbatical, but um, I've just I've not missed it. Became a little bit disenchanted with it all. Um, and, um, yeah, I've, I've not missed it. Um, obviously, I watch the games and things like that. I've still got an interest in that. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've not missed it. No. That's, um, well, it's sad to hear, but then again, when you've been in football for so long, I can imagine that a break might do you good. Um, and Barcelona's obviously, I've been to Barcelona once. It's a, it's a tremendous city. Um, have you, mm-hmm. so you've had a few trips to New Camp? Yeah, more, more so to actually visit. Um, really? But if I've got friends and family over, then you know, so I, that's one of the things that they want to do, obviously. So I usually tag along, but it's still, it's still so interesting to me, you know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a great tour, it's a great club, yeah. um, and I've actually only been to see them once. 
Wow. Um, and that was like a friendly. My brother and his his wife were over, so we went to the game and um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I'm usually the one that's all sitting watching in front of the TV. So, uh, but yeah, obviously I've got like a you know an interest in Barcelona. They play football in the right way, so um, they're always entertaining to watch. And obviously they've got Messi, so um, yeah, to watch these games, it's fantastic. Yeah, and do, do you meet up with uh, fellow Aberdonians or fellow Aberdeen players, uh, Steve Archibald and um, Aberdonian Graham Hunter? Now and then? Uh, Graham, yeah, Graham have. Um, I've never met Steve, um, but no. maybe, you know, you never know, Mike, or, or cross, past Mike Cross at some point. But Graham, yeah, um, I was lucky enough to uh, be invited to the, the opening of his, um, his, um, his movie, the, the documentary about Barcelona. Um, and uh, talking about getting excited, I got sort of. A bit excited because I was sitting next to Lionel Messi's mum and dad, so um, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, oh wow!" And sitting next to sitting next to the mother and father, the the world's best player. So um, it was a good evening, a sort of fantastic documentary. So uh, yeah, so I keep in touch with Graham now and again. Yeah, that, that's a great claim of fame sitting next to Messi's mum and dad. It's just a shame oh, yeah, they didn't well, introduce yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, here's our boy Lionel, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, Graham's obviously um, well renowned for you know some of the stuff he's done, and his podcasts are very popular over here in the UK. Um, and, but he keeps his he keeps his feet in the ground, and he's always um, tweeting about Aberdeen now and then. So he hasn't forgotten about who the club are. Oh, he's is a, huge, a huge Aberdeen fan, and um, I'm so I'm so, so quite blessed because Graham is he's obviously so. I, with the, uh, he's been in the company of Xavi and Iniesta and Messi and things like that. So he's been in the company of them, but he still gets, uh, he still gets quite excited about the fact that he's uh, in company with Ian Jess. So it's, uh, you know, that's that's a, a nice thing. It just shows you his love for for Aberdeen Football Club. So um, yeah, he's 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 got uh, a love affair with the club. So um, it's great that he still has that after all these years. Yeah, definitely. It's it's good to see. Um, you know, any any football fan going going abroad and they're still remembering their home roots. So that's always good. I'm glad that you're obviously feeling the same. Um, hope you're still yeah, watching course, Red TV, yeah. Red TV at the weekend but, and things like that. Um, it's never gonna it's never gonna change. I'm always gonna be this. Gonna be the first the first result I always look for. So um, yeah, that's that, that's not gonna change anything. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, come back um to your childhood. Um, what was your earliest memories um growing up as a kid and getting into football? Um, well, um, I, I would say maybe sort of playing playing the park because, like, luckily enough, so the the house that we lived in when we were younger, it was just like sort of climb the fence and we were into the football park in Portsoy. So, um, you know, my mum knew where I was. Um, I remember a story. A friend of mine, his mum used to go to work and. Uh, even if it was rail, hail, snow, um, I would be there on my own with my ball, um, just you know, just practicing. Um, and so that was from like a really early age, uh, maybe six, seven years old. So, um, I mean, I thought it was a nice story that she was sort of saying every time she went to work that I would be the one that was in the park. If it was snowing, I would be there with my ball. Um, so yeah, there was method in my madness, and obviously it sort of paid dividends in the end. So. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I would I would try play football um, down my local park. I was obviously nowhere near good enough. Um, but you know, some of our friends down down the park would you know prepare um, would pretend to be like Brian Lowry, Duncan Shearer, etc. Who were you pretending to be when you were a kid? Oh, Doug Leash. 
Kenny Dalglish, only one, the only one. Um, I mean, a story as well, because like, we were actually, um, I think it was a semi-final at Hamden, and um, I think I was injured at the time, and um, I was sitting in the main stand, and um, I looked to my right, and here was Kenny Dalglish and Terry McDermott coming along the row, and I obviously got up to get away, and uh, they've, they've both passed. But Terry, Terry McDermott sort of noticed and said hello. And then when they sat maybe five seats from me, he then told Kenny Dalglish. And um, I was just so excited that he waved and said hello. And I was just so excited they actually knew who I was. So, um, you know, going back to sort of playing as a six, seven-year-old kid um, and sort of commentating and being Kenny Dalglish. And then for him... You know, twenty odd years later, they actually knew who I am, um, which was just something that I'll never ever forget. You know, uh, which was incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. That was obviously was that the semi final that we we beat Dundee United and we were playing Celtic in the final. Was that? Yeah, it could have been. I was I was injured at the time, so uh, I can't remember what injury I had. So, uh, but yeah, I, I remember it as as vivid as it was yesterday. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main that's thing. saying something because I've got a memory like a sim so. yeah. see to be fair it wasn't a great game that semi-final so it's probably <laughs> no surprise that your standout moment was meeting Kenny Douglas rather than what happened in the end <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we won that day so it didn't matter um, <laughs> good <laughs> yeah, so, um, so you, you were on the books at Rangers and then I've heard the story that you got released and wanted you to play um, and you will, and you told them where to go, basically, in no uncertain terms. But and then you end up joining Aberdeen. Just how did it all unfold for you? When joining Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's another story to that as well because um, when I was when I was released by Rangers, um, I don't know how long ago. I've got a, a good friend, Grant Smith. He used to play Highland League. He's actually from Port Sorry, and um, he'd actually phoned. Um, he'd actually phoned George Adams, uh, who was the scout at the time, who George knew about me before. Um, so he he was the one that sort of phoned and told George that I'd been released. And then I was then, George uh, invited me in um, for like a week's trial uh, under the under yeah, Teddy Scott, who was the reserve and youth team coach at the time. Uh, basically, I went in for I think a week or ten, a week to two weeks maybe, and um, then Teddy, Teddy was impressed. Uh, George was impressed, and uh, they wanted to sign me. But it was Ian Porterfield, the manager at the time, um, but he he didn't want to sign me. Um, so Teddy and George uh, forced the issue, and um, the rest is history really. Uh, so without them sort of pushing the boat out, it would have been yeah, I wouldn't have become an Aberdeen player so I've got a lot to thank them for um, regarding that Yeah definitely, it just, it just shows how much a talent you must have been that they were willing to go above the manager's head to push you in and then you couldn't have asked for um, a better manager to really bring you on than Ali Smith because he had a great track record at the time with young players there was yourself, there was Scott Booth, Graham Watson also came on the cup final um, Gary Smith, although the bottom from Falkirk came through um, just a, a, must be a fantastic learning curve at that point Yeah, I mean it was uh, I don't know how long it was before Ian Porterfield then left but I think Alex Smith had been appointed as something to do with the uh, I don't know about the role it was Call and manager. then 
we actually sort of came in and then he actually took us to a tournament in Italy. Uh, and I was only maybe sort of 17, 18 at the time. And um, he actually sort of said that uh, within a few days, he's seen something something in me uh, that he was, uh, you know, this, this boy can play as he's, uh, he's, he's usually as quoted. So, um, and then obviously he got the manager's manager's job, and then um, he so I was the one that so uh, gave me my my debut, you know. So I've got a lot to thank for thank him for. And I'm not the only one because he was always looking to sort of bring the youth players through, which he did. Um, and there was an abundance of good youth players at that time. So um, so we've got you know we as as a group had a lot to thank him for to to have this sort of. You know the sort of responsibility, and you know the nerve to actually put younger players in, you know, into the team, which is uh, which is a fantastic attribute to have to have, to look at young players and to know that they've got something that they can add to the team, and they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. So um, it's it's a knack in itself to have that understanding of the game to sort of look at a youth player and actually notice something that yeah he can. He can play in the first team now. So, whose boots did you clean? Uh, well, I, that's the thing. I was sort of quite lucky. Um, we had we had Charlie, Charlie, little Charlie, and uh, George Perry, um, who used to sort of clean the boots, and then obviously we sort of went in and cleaned the boots. But um, I actually never did that. <laughs> that did you avoid that? <laughs> I don't know. I can remember. I can. Re- I think because Charlie and George, so I was two older gentlemen, they sort of, sort of did the boots more at that time. We still had other jobs of like hoovering and cleaning the dress rooms and things like that. I mean, Jockey, Jockey Scott had us, it was the end of the season and Jockey Scott at the time, um, I don't I don't know if, I, I, I mean, it was still, I was still doing it when I was in the first team, so I was still hoovering and things like that. So, um, but Jockey, I mean, Jockey Scott would, uh, would just sort of clean the tiles with the toothbrushes and things like that. So this is, old school stuff you know um, so I can remember these that time but no I don't, I don't think we had to specifically clean clean the first team's boots I'm, I can't re- really remember doing it no. Did you ever get pulled up for maybe missing a bit of dirt off the tiles or anything like that? Oh yeah that would be uh, meticulous I mean Jockey would come and sort of check everything so um, but uh, this is all part of the learning curve I, I don't think it's it happens now as much, you know, things have changed now, but um, it was a great environment to be in, you know, resistance. And so obviously discipline and team ethic and things like that. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't I would, I wouldn't change anything, you know. Um, and it's put me in good stead because, like, yeah, I, said, I like to get the hoover out, so it's all right still. So maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite OCD, so cleaning-wise, it's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's just um, the modern man thing you know we've got to be a bit more yeah, 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 grown yeah, up yeah. and stuff so maybe it'll start <laughs> maybe it did do you get you set a trend <laughs> um, yeah. but in t- in t- I mean obviously you would have been you know, cl- well in your case you avoided cleaning the bits but you know hoovering and um, cleaning the um, stuff with t- um, toothbrushes etc but you must have had some laughter youngsters as well you know you um, um, must have had a few pranks with one another um, on the job too <laughs> I try to remember so long ago. It's like, oh my god, yeah, it was obviously a lot, of, a lot of things going on, you know. But um, 
It's not, you, have, you have to be, behave yourself. I was like one that wouldn't sit do that. I was in this uh, one doing pranks and things like that, you know. I'm just like, rather keep like a low, low, low level <laughs> vibe and uh, keep keep my nose clean. So, um, yeah, it was just like, yeah. I mean, I, I can remember it was, it was a game that I think it was Fairgate that started up. It was like in the, it was underneath the Dick Donald. Uh, well, it was like the old, the, Beach the beach end. So underneath was like this big room that was sort of, I mean, a gem. But um, I think it was, it was Alex Ferguson and Archie Knox that started this game called Tips, which, um, so I mean, it was just like underneath the stadium. It was just like, yeah, it was just a game that we used to play in. So we would go in there for hours after training, you know. Um, and that, it's obviously, you're still, you're still, you're still practicing and things like that where you're touching things like that. So um, I can remember doing that and, we were disappointed when it eventually saw the new Dick Donald stand went up and we couldn't play tips anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame, um, but it had, obviously had to be done for obvious reasons. I don't think Dick yeah, Donald, yeah. think Dick Donald, when he's weighing up, thinking more revenue or the boys playing tips. Wonder what's going to win here. <laughs> more revenue, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, just about. Um, so, I mean, eventually, you know, you see me, your debut, and you scored your first goal against Dundee in the 89 season. Would you remember about that? Because obviously, it's, there's no footage on it because in those days, it was sports yeah. scene one night, Scott Sport the next, and it was just two games. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I'd made my debut against Motherwell, 0 0. Yeah. That was my debut against Motherwell, 0 0, the week before. And then um, I played right wing and did. I did obviously reasonably well because I then played it, played against Dundee, um, and got the goal. Um, and I think I hit the bar as well. I chipped. I think Bobby Geddes was the keeper at the time. It's amazing because like I can remember these things, but I can't remember what I was doing last week. So, um, and I think the goal came from the right. Somebody crossed in from the right, and I, I just sort of ran onto it and and sort of put it in the bottom corner. So. Um, and obviously it was 1-0 so it was a winning goal which was fantastic so um, yeah um, I can say yeah I remember a little bit of the goal but I remember the chip more because that was edge of the box and I, I, I loved Bobby Geddes but it hit the bar so it'd be nice to have got the second goal but hey, um, yeah fantastic yeah see so obviously yeah, they, they are fantastic memory and um, there was obviously no bigger memory for you than being handed that start in the um, 89 League Cup final against Rangers. It came to a surprise for a lot of people um, but f- from your own point of view um, that, how, how big a feeling was that just um, being trusted by Alex Smith to say you're only a team but on you go. Show me what well you again that's that's going back to Alex Smith obviously seeing something in me and trusted me to, to throw him into that situation you know because that I mean, I still don't know at this day how many games I'd actually sort of been involved in with the first team. It wouldn't have been that many. Um, so for him to sort of have the trust um, to put me in that situation was incredible. You know, I can remember in the morning because we used to sort of train when we, we used to travel in Glasgow. We used to train in the mornings of the game. So everybody would be up and we'd go and just like boxes and things. Um, and... It was, it, I can remember we used to sort of stay near the airport, uh, the airport hotel, and uh, you would, it was a five-minute bus journey to, to where we would actually sort of sit down the boxes. And, and um, I've came off the bus and uh, Alex Smith has pulled me aside and just said, look, you're starting. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, and obviously it wasn't at the time of mobile phones. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was... 
And he's like, don't tell anybody. And I'm like, okay. So I, I never said anything to any of my teammates or anything until the team was obviously selected. But I had no, no opportunities. I knew my mum was coming down. There was a bus from Portsoy coming down with uh, all the people from uh, Portsoy. Um, so obviously I couldn't have let them know. So obviously when they arrived at Hamden, my name was, my mum was like a, like a nervous wreck. But um, yeah, things, yeah, obviously things worked out and it was a good decision from his point of view, uh, to be part of the winning side, and um, obviously going to Glasgow, and when you when you're um, when you're trying to win trophies now, you have to sort of beat the likes of Rangers and Celtic normally in the final. Um, um, so so to do that was uh, was incredible. I mean, the game I can't remember much about the game. Um, you know, um, there's not much that I can remember. Obviously the goals, but. Um, it was just I had a job to do, and I saw, I saw when did it. So and uh, fantastic, we won, win the first trophy, brilliant. What do you remember in terms of celebrations? Not much again, you know. It's just, it's just, all, it was all a little bit of a blur, you know. It was just, you know, the whole occasion in itself. Um, I probably said, you know, sort of later when we saw won the trophy um, against Dundee, I probably sort of remember that more mm-hmm. than I did when. You know, so it was just all sort of a uh, difficult to explain. Just you know, I can't remember much about it. You know, um, even the aftermath, I can't even remember the celebration. But that's nothing to do with alcohol, so <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but obviously coming through that team with the likes of uh, Miller and McLeish, obviously who were synonymous with the the Gothmer team characters like you know Jim Bet um, and. Charlie Nicholas who's obviously come up from Arsenal at a point to prove that must um, in terms of your learning experience how encouraging um, were they and um, did any of them get on your back at any point for the right reasons of course like Willie I mean that's the thing I was just I was so lucky to start walking a team full of internationals I mean you go right through the team there was a majority were internationals so and top top players so I mean for any young player to come into a team like that it just makes your job easier you know um so, you know, the likes of um, Willie and Alec and, I mean, David Robertson, Stuart McKimmy, Jim Bett, uh, Charlie, um, you know, you just come into a team, it's just, like, just top quality players. So it just obviously makes your, makes your, uh, makes your job a little bit easier. But, um, yeah, Willie, Willie wouldn't hold back on anybody. He would, he would just, you know, I always know the story about Willie when I was playing right side. I can't remember who it was against, but it was at Petodre, and he, he played me a ball, and it, so the pass went out for a throw-in, and um, yeah, it was a bad pass, but no, it was my fault, and Willie, Willie sort of came at me in this, um, you know, but that's a learning curve for me, it's just like, well, yeah, okay, but um, still to this day, it was a bad pass from Willie, but he made me feel as if it was like my fault, but this is just, yeah, this is Willie. This is just a leader, you know, just um, a fantastic, fantastic player and a fantastic captain. Um, so just a legend within the club. So, Yeah, without doubt. I mean, I only got to see Willie play once um, and that was in a Skull Cup game against the Queen's Park. His last game, yeah. you scored in that game. Um, I remember Jim Betts goal more than um, anything else in that game. Yeah. Um, so I never got to see Willie, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, a tremendous leader. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he was coming at this sort of end of his career. 
Willie at that time. Um, but I think it was like two years I was involved with, when Willie was still playing. Um, and the thing is, Willie, because he had problems with his knees, he, he, he hardly trained. He would just, you know, he would, um, because, he, because he couldn't train and play, you know, it would just be, it would be so I just looked after during the week. He would do his own thing. And then on the Saturday, we'd come and just stroll through games. You know, just 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 an incredible, incredible player. Yeah, without a doubt. And obviously, someone learn, learn off. Um, that same season, um, you got you Aberdeen won the Scottish Cup. Um, the last time they've won it um, since, which still looks me to this day. But um, from yeah. from your own point of view, you were obviously an unused sub. Um, first of all, how disappointed were you not to be starting? Although I get you would have understood given the fact it was Nicholas and he also house up front at the time. But probably more so not getting on before the penalty kicks were taken. Um, yeah, it's disappointing. So you want to be involved in sort of, um, in in cup finals um, and be starting games. Um, but obviously you've got Charlie Nicholas and Hans Ellis at that time. And it was funny because we actually played Celtic, I think, the week before. Mm-hmm. And then they played myself, Scott Booth, Graham Watson and uh, Parkhead, Greg Watson as well, uh, four, four youth players at the time. And um, we sort of went on. I, 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 I scored a couple, and, and Graham Watson scored. So, you know, it was this big furor about, you know, sort of how well we did. Um, so obviously, sort of, you know, I've scored the goals before, and then you're thinking, well, maybe I've got an opportunity. But, you know, I can understand that because, like, the, I think if you go back on the games during the cup, you know, um, I probably sort of never played in, in many of the games anyway. So. You know, um, but the most important thing is that actually we won, we won the game at the end. Um, so that's the most important thing, and it's a little cup medal that I've got now. So fantastic! Exactly, and you're one of the last ones um, to have won it. Hopefully, that will not continue mm-hmm. for too much longer. Although I've been saying that for thirty years. Thank, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Um, they had two opportunities this season um, because of the whole COVID stuff, but they've obviously yeah. chucked one. So this season, hopefully, will be better. Yeah. Simon Charlie is taking his penalty now. It's obviously common knowledge that he was going to join Celtic. Um, mm. If he missed Celtic, we're going to win the cup and play in Europe, and that's his his team and. But he showed the ultimate act of professionalism by saying, "No, I want my cut win." Stuck it right in the top. That was a perfect penalty. But at that point, yeah. were you th- were you crapping it, knowing knowing that if he missed, Aberdeen lost the cup? Yeah, well, obviously, obviously, it was like um, yeah, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not thinking because Charlie's going to sell it. He's going to miss the miss. It was it was no chance of that. You know, Charlie's a professional footballer. Um, you know, he would have wanted to. He's in this. You're in the game to win things. So. You know, he, he wanted to win that cup, and obviously that showed it. And uh, as you say, it was a perfect penalty. It was right in the top top bin. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I mean Char- Charlie would been he would have been first on the list to say, yeah, I'm up for this. I'm taking the penalty. So, um, you know, I just have to applaud that. That's you know, because uh, I mean penalties in themselves are just they're atrocious. They're not they're not good situations for any footballer, no matter what you say. Um, you know, I've been been two or three in my career and I hated every single one of them. So, um, but uh, yeah, um, it was just a special occasion, you know, sort of a tight game, and obviously, so I got the got the result in the end with with Theo saving it and Brian obviously getting the winner. So. Yeah, yeah, Theo and Brian wrote themselves in the photo. As it turned out with Charlie, that was his only Scottish Cup win. He never did it in either spell at Celtic, so it just showed how much it meant to him to stick that yeah, one in. Yeah, of course, yeah. 
um, and the next season, this is where you properly started um, establishing yourself in the first team. Um, there was a run to, uh, that Neil got his lead tail, but for yourself, there was a couple of hat-tricks in there. They won at Dundee United, and then obviously the Dunfermline when I was at that game. So I saw the sports scene goal of the season live that day when you scored four against Dunfermline. Let's talk us through some of your main moments from, from that season, particularly those two games. Well, that's, that's, that's the sort of two games that I saw look on, you know. Um, with, uh, the the hat-trick at uh, Dundee United, and they sort of came within... Two weeks of each other, didn't they? I think. Um, a few weeks. So yeah, I, can't I, mean, remember. Yeah, I was on like a goal scoring run at that time. So getting the hat trick at Dundee United, but it was just like on Twitter the other day, and it sort of came up in a video, and um, Jim McLean refused to give me the ball because he said that I think it was this, the first goal was a known goal. So I don't know how Bar would look at it now, but you know um, he refused to give me the ball anyway, Jim McLean. So. Um, disappointed, but then uh, the Dunfermline game, uh, which was a fantastic day, obviously with the four goals, um, which is just just incredible, um, you know. And and so any any football game to get four four goals, but um, it was just it was a great team performance, you know. And so I was playing up front with 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 hands, and we sort of just seemed to click, you know. We would sort of just seemed to be on the sort of same mindset and knew where each other was, so. Um, you know, a fantastic player. Uh, really, really enjoyed playing up front with hands. Um, we sort of seemed to hit off straight away, as in like having that sort of same same thought. Um, and um, yeah, he was he was a big part in the side, the goals that I scored there as well. So, still can't believe this day Aberdeen were able to sign a boy that had won the European Cup the 18 months before. Um, <laughs> you know that would yes. never obviously happen now. Um, certainly not for a steal 650 grand either. Um, yeah, I mean it was probably a lot yeah, of right. money for Aberdeen back then, but <laughs> no, nowadays it's obviously yeah, it was international. You know, so, I mean myself as a youth player I wouldn't have sort of known much about hands at that time, but then obviously he came in and just made an instant impact and it was just you could see his ability. You know, he was quick, he was great in the air, um, really intelligent um footballer and um, you know, sort of work ethic and things like that. So um just just what you would expect from a Dutch player, you know, just with the technique and things like that as well. So obviously Alex Smith had seen seen something in him and obviously it was it was two or three that he sort of brought in from the Dutch league at that time, um, so a great bit of business. Um, yeah, Hans was fantastic. Yeah, in, te- in terms of the Dutch uh, Dutch boys, so you, uh, you obviously we've mentioned Theo, we've mentioned Hans. There was Willem van der Ark. Paul Mason came. He was I know he was um, English, but he came from Groningen. Theo yeah. um, Tenkat came. Like Peter van der Ven was in at the time. You no, know, just how did how well did they um, adapt to not just life on the pitch, but Scottish culture because obviously it's going to be difficult coming over from any foreign country. They seem to settle in straight away, and obviously it sort of helps when you sort. They all sort of came as near enough a group, so um, and they all spoke English. They all spoke better English than any of the Scottish people (laughs) in the dressing room. So um, yeah, I mean it was yeah. I think I think it was easy for them, and I think. I think it still shows that Theo um, and the likes of Willem and all that, they still go at the games. They still come back to Aberdeen. They've still got friends friends that they've, they've, they've got for them the time in Aberdeen. So um, it was just a fantastic club to sort of be involved in at that time. You know, it was just like that family. It was always like that family environment everybody talked about at that time. And um, yeah, that was, 
yeah, that that helped obviously them sort of settle into the into the group into into Aberdeen because uh, it can be difficult coming from you know from another country, but obviously them speaking speaking English sort of helped a great deal. But um, you know that was the, that was the thing with Alex Smith. He had a friend and an agent called Ton Ton Van Dalen, I think his name was, um, and then that's where the connection was that could bring in these sort of top top Dutch players at that time. You know. Did they have to do a lot of uh, initiation ceremonies when they come to Aberdeen? No, there wasn't hardly no initiation. There was never any initiations like there is now. You know, sort of standing on a a, a table and sort of singing a song and things like that. So there's no really any initiations or nothing, um, which I'm quite happy about. I mean, it's like when I was when I sort of eventually broke into the first team, I was still I was I was still in the reserve dressing room, so. I always had to knock to sort of go into the dressing room to sort of get to Terry's or to Terry Scott's room. So um, I was always sort of quite nervous to sort of go in because the likes of Willie and Big Alec and Charlie yeah. Nicholas, you don't know what they're going to do to you or, or say to you. So. <laughs> and, and then you've got the joke on the part of uh, Bobby Connor as well, who I've um, fortunately had the chance to speak to. He's a, he's a yeah, really well, funny guy. I mean, to be fair, with some great characters in there, and Bobby was one of them. Um, he was always up for a laugh and always sort of cracking the jokes. And him and Jazz, him and Jazz are Jim Bett, were so a dry sense of sense of humour, but uh, but a really good sense of humour, you know. And uh, he used to have some have, have some laughs, you know. They were always and Charlie or Charlie Nicholas there, obviously at that time as well. Um, some some great characters and great individuals, uh, but they're top professionals as well. Yeah, definitely. And. Um... Went a fantastic run. What was it? I think it was 15 games um, that took Aberdeen to the brink of the title. Um, mm. You know what? Because it looked as though I mean that Rangers game is the um, the key one. Because I think if we'd lost that, we'd have went eight points behind. This is when it was two points for win. Instead, we closed the gap to four. Did that give you belief at that point that maybe you could actually catch up with them? Um, I mean, we're still a, we're still a, a lot of points behind. So at that time, it was like. We were just sort of getting on with things. We were just, sort of, you know, just enjoying my football, obviously, because we were winning games. But uh, I don't think if we sort of look back on it, did we have a chance of sort of catching Rangers at that time? You know, it just sort of seemed the gap just kept kept on closing, kept on closing, and then eventually it sort of had to go to the last game of the season. You know, um, and that's a disappointing thing because they sort of did so well to get back in, and then obviously, you know, uh, losing the game at Ibrox and losing the title at that time. You know, that's just makes it even hurt even more because we did ever so well to sort of close the gap, you know. Um, yeah. And that day, yeah, never forget it. You know, it's just uh, we were so close, but yeah, uh, still so far. Yeah, Dave, David Robertson mentioned about the fact that Muddle's um, last-minute third goal that put Aberdeen top of the league that day was almost like a... Um, a negative effect for Aberdeen because instead of um, having the mindset of we need to win at Ibrox, you're almost in that catch-22 of you know that a draw is going to be good enough. Obviously, I know the intent would have been to win the game, but how much yeah. um, effect did it have the build-up to the Rangers game knowing that, well, if we draw, we're champions? I think it would have been like a, maybe sort of deep down they might have thought, yeah, OK, we just need a draw. And things might have been different because we were sort of, sort of looking to sort of win the, yeah, if we were looking to win the game, you know. Psychologically, it might have been, yeah, okay, we just need to be steady here. But from for me personally, I, I don't think that was the case. I mean, Alex Smith gets a letter, 
you know, for, for his tactics, but the tactics never really changed. Um, we had two we had two half chances, you know, before Rangers actually scored. You know, it was our hands, I think. I mean, they weren't a great chance. Uh, Peter van der Venz was probably the best chance, but um, with two two chances, you take one of them, then, you know, it might have, might have completely changed. And then people then don't look for the reason why. Um, and obviously Alex Smith was the one that got blamed. The tactics were, were different, but I, I personally don't think they were. Um, I mean, I think the team changed a little bit, but I don't think that would be a reason for for us. But who knows, you know. Um, the, just the, the, the fact of it is, it was so disappointing that we actually sort of went to lose the game. And I actually got I got taken off at half time because I got um, I got lynched. <laughs> um, I got a bad tackle. With Terry Hurlick gave me a bad tackle, so uh, my knee just swole up, so swollen up. But whether that would have made a difference, but. Um, and then obviously, sort of Theo not being there, and then it was like Michael with the Mark Eight was situation. But um, you know, it's just it's just disappointing, disappointing that we sort of closed the gap so the big gap so well, and then we just fell at the final hurdle. That's it's still hurts now talking about it. Yeah, even even though I was ten, it still hurt that day. Um, yeah. And. No, the two chances you talk about, um, I think they were both great chances. I think on another day, Hans connects with that header and it's 1-0 and similarly Van de Ven. Um, that's, if we if we take one of these chances, you say it's a different game. We're one up and Rangers yeah. are having to get two. Um, it's a different mentality altogether. But um, it was unfortunate the way things unfolded for Alex because the next season, Alec McLeish was out injured. Um, mm. we'd lost, he'd lost David, obviously, as we mentioned, to go with Rangers. Um, and... For some, although there was still a talented group, a bunch of groups. So, what was it? Um, can you put a finger on what went wrong for a good few it, months before you was Whether it was anything to do with sort of losing the, the season before, you know, and how it sort of how how it worked out, I don't know. Um, and just yeah, the results just didn't come for from Alex at that time, you know. Um, obviously, Alex McLeish been out for a length of time as well, which didn't wouldn't help, you know. He's a sort of rock. Rocking in, in the defence, so um, I don't know. It's just it's just difficult to look at, you know. I think, I mean, uh, it was devastating for us when Alex uh, Alex lost his job, you know, especially the younger players in the group because he gave us more opportunity, you know, and he was a fantastic fantastic manager for us. So um, it was, yeah, it was devastating the day that he actually sort of lost his job, you know. And I mean, that's how a lot of fans maybe sort of look back and think, well, maybe that was. A mistake on their part. So then they they're looking at sort of the managers that then came afterwards. Um, but it, I mean, a fantastic manager, you know. Um, who knows where who knows where the club would have, could have went if we'd actually sort of won the league that year. Um, you know, but maybe maybe it was something to do with that psychologically that you know there was that disappointment and then and then it sort of just came into the the following season and then the results didn't come. Yeah, I mean, Willie Miller then also gets promoted to manager, um, and things did pick up for a good couple of seasons. Aber- that that ninety two ninety three Aberdeen team was a a really good side. Very unlucky mm-hmm. that at the time that yeah the Rangers side that were doing well in the Champions League and uh, they were also strong enough to win the treble. But Aberdeen ninety two ninety three played some of the best football I've ever seen from any Aberdeen team, and you were also at the forefront of that. Um, mm-hmm. You Shearer and Pat Lane had a great trio up front um, that must have been a really exciting team to be part of 
Yeah, because we were actually scoring goals quite freely, you know, with the likes of Duncan and Mixu and things like that, and Scott Booth as well. Um, mm-hmm. We were sort of, yeah, we were playing some good stuff at that time, you know. So um, it was it was a good time to be around the club, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're in it to win things, you know, and win games, and mm-hmm. and um, you know we were sort of doing it doing it doing it quite well at that time, you know. But it was just it was a good team, a good uh, team to. be to be playing and especially uh, Big Duncan I was sort of playing up front with Big Duncan and, and Mixon and Scott Booth at the time so it was you know uh, free free scoring free scoring front line <laughs> yeah definitely and then you've got the likes of Bet and Mason and Connor chipping in from midfield Richardson was good um, in midfield for a, a while as well and then you had a pretty solid defence with the likes of like, Gary Smith was good at the time Brian Irvin was also there Al mm. McLeish was and then it's Stuart McKimmy it's just mm. And Theo obviously still in goal, but it's, how frustrating is it that you you didn't get over the line the two cup finals that season to Rangers because um, they were both very close. Although I think the Scottish Cup final, you were only just back from injury, didn't really turn up that day in my opinion. It's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I was sort of coming back um, from my broken leg, um, and then I managed to sort of get myself fit for the game, and then um, that was the game at Parkhead, and uh, so I came on for the last fifteen twenty minutes, but. Um, so I just yeah, I'm just sort of run out of run out of time to sort of get back into the game again. But um yeah, to sort of go and to get to get in the cup finals that's the thing, you want you want to win them, but um to sort of lose them too was, was disappointing again again. So um yeah. It's, yeah, to sort of go, yeah, I mean as I said earlier in the interview as well, you have to sort of beat the likes of Rangers and Celtic mm-hmm. uh, at some point in, in the cup to actually win it. Uh, to win win a trophy in in, in Scotland, so um, yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah, your winner against Celtic in the um, League Cup semi final is the last time Aberdeen have beaten Celtic in a semi final. I think that's a. Is that right? One nil. Yeah, oh, um, or a final actually as well. That's I think it's a horrible oh. start. Which hopefully we'll get over at some point. But it's not it's not a great start. But the way things are going, it's probably a good time to get Celtic at the moment because they're. They're struggling a little bit, so. Um, well, we had that chance um, a few weeks ago, but unfortunately yeah. we didn't turn up. That was a big <laughs> problem. Um, it's just a recurring theme. But in that 1992-93 season as well, I mean, for you personally, young player of the year again. You won your first Scotland cap um, against yeah. Italy, and then made got your full debut against Malta. Um, you know that's obviously must be a, a proud moment. All oh, right, it was Ibrox and not Hamden, but it still must be a proud moment. Yeah, uh, incredible. So I came on. Came on in the Italian game from a from a debut and um, playing the likes of Maldini and Baggio and players like that, you know. So because it was big big thing, Channel Four Serie A mm-hmm. on a Sunday, I think it was. So watching that, yes. so you got all these players sort of playing, and then all of a sudden I'm sort of playing against them for the last 15 minutes. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's it's every every kid's dream to play for your country. So you know, it's a, it's a time that I'll never forget that 15 minutes and. Uh, I, could, I, I nearly, nearly scored as well. Um, I managed to sort of get in. Get in. This is how good they were. I, I actually got in behind them, and I, so I thought, I'm, I'm in. I'm scoring. And then all of a sudden, Maldini came from nowhere and just slid in and took the ball away. It was just like yeah. I thought. It's, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm scoring. Just, but Maldini just appears from nowhere. I thought I broke the, I broke the offside trap, and then. No, it wasn't a be. That's uh, make the debut and score your debut against Italy would have been fantastic. But um, yeah, and then 
I think I don't know how long after that. I then made my full debut against Malta at, um, at Ibrox again, and um, I managed to set up three goals that day. So mm-hmm. I was playing up front with um, Mr. McCoy, so um, and uh, I managed to set three goals up. So I was yeah. A, yeah, a, a great a great memory to to look back on. I had to look up that game because I thought you'd actually scored in that game, but um, as you rightly point out, you set them all up, so that's probably yeah. where I've been confused. Um, so, yeah. um, but still, that's, no, yeah. it's like a goal setting up three is like a goal, so you yeah. take it. <laughs> Mr. McCoy will have a lot to thank you for for um, his, his two goals anyway. Um, yeah. And you know, you, you the next year you got to play in Rome against Italy and. You nearly scored. I mean, the goalkeeper made saving and Kevin Gallagher with an unbelievable lob with his shin. I was speaking to him yeah. <laughs> about this last week. I mean, that that's, that must be, again, playing the stadium where the World Cup final was held three years earlier. Um, just an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it's at the start of the game as well. But the disappointing thing, because I look back in the game, we lost, I think it was 3-1, I think. 3-1, yeah. Um, but I actually got whipped at half-time. Um, Craig Brown sort of took me off at half time for supposed tactical reasons. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's just sort of just being in that, in that situation, you know, you're sort of playing against world class players. I mean, uh, I can remember Brazi, Costa Cota, Maldini, um, Baggio, Donadoni, <laughs> uh, just to name but a few, were playing in that game. So, uh, you know, so these are these are world class players, you know. So um just incredible. Did you get any other shirts? Uh, I got I've got Donadones. But uh, but I was from the first game, that was the, the game at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. I got Donadoni's top. So So he's got the, so he's got the ingest top. Yeah. I would like to think that it's up in his living room and somewhere <laughs> in Italy. <laughs> Framed. <laughs> Um, and you scored them um, a few weeks later in Italy against uh, against Torino, um, but and it was looking great. Two up, you're thinking great. We could put an Italian team, and then they come back and win three two, and then do as it Pitodri yeah. two when when Lee Richardson scored that cracker. But mm-hmm. to go toe to toe with an Italian team at that point, as you say, Italian football was thriving at that point. Um, again, frustration though that you didn't quite get over the line. Yeah, again, it was just. Um... Yeah, I managed to get to go at the Stadio dell'Alpi and um, we were sort of in a really good position and obviously sort of things things backfired a little bit. And then obviously the game at Pitodri. And uh, I mean, that night at Pitodri is probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever been involved in. Um, it's something that I'll never forget. I mean, OK, it was disappointing. We actually lost the game and Rico scored a fantastic, fantastic goal for 30 yards. Um but the atmosphere, I mean, they, they always talk about the European nights at, at Aberdeen. Um, and they were quite right that they were just incredible. And that night, the, the atmosphere was just, was just uh, yeah, out of this world. It was just, um, I mean, I actually so I really enjoyed playing in that game. Um, and it's, I, I felt that it was probably one of my best performances in an Aberdeen shot. Um and um, yeah, I, I can remember it so quite well. Just the whole atmosphere, the whole occasion, just uh, you know, because it was against uh, an Italian side as well, you know. Yeah, great teams, and then not long after that, the clubs flirting mm. with relegation. Um, <laughs> I, get, I mean, that's something I don't 
I don't get with the team that we had um, at that point. Again, you look at the players that we had and you think, how did we end up doing that? I mean, I know we lost some real experience, like Sabet, Connor, McLeish, you know, Richardson, Pat Lennon, those guys all going off to leaving a big hole. But I thought some of the guys that were in there should have been better than what they were. So, I mean, from you, I mean, I know you were in the team that season with injuries. I mean, that mm. really frustrating how you end up down there. But it's still class a memorable season because we found a way out. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be difficult to put your finger on it, why? You know, maybe we sort of just got in a, role, a run, a sort of the confidence within the team wasn't there. Confidence is a big part in football, you know, if you're, and you can talk as an individual when you're confident and you feel confident and everything seems to go in right for you. Um, it's like a goal scorer, if you're scoring goals regular and if, then if not, you go like a few games without scoring then your confidence drops, so... Mm-hmm. Um, from a team's perspective, it's like if you you if you're not getting the results, the confidence just then just it goes, and it's very 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 difficult to sort of get back out of it. You know, um, obviously, sort of things as you're saying, it goes. It's memorable now for the you know sort of the way we got ourselves out of the situation. You know, um, but that's not something you want to be sort of doing every season. You know, you want to be sort of um, so sort of, well trying to win things and, and sort of doing well in the league. So um, that's what you're getting the game for. But, yeah, it's, it's just difficult to put put your finger on why why that happened, you know. But I think just the confidence sort of just went within the team, you know. Yeah, and the, obviously the, the following season, Roy Aitken's worked hard to build the confidence back up in the players. Um, you were converted into a centre midfielder, which really seemed to suit your game. Uh, how much did you love and enjoy playing centre midfielder as opposed to centre forward? Yeah, it was, it was strange because like Roy, Roy just made that decision. You know, I, I don't think he ever sort of pulled me on it and asked me if you know it was something that I would be looking to do. You know, I think he just he just did it, and um, yeah, it seems to uh, seems to work out for me personally. You know, um, you know, I was I'm more I wasn't more a, when I was younger sort of playing the out and out strike. I wouldn't be I would be the one that sort of would drop in the hole and sort of be a bit more creative. So. Um, it just, yeah, I, I suppose it just sort of worked out, you know. So, yeah, Roy was the one that sort of decided on his own to sort of drop me into the midfield. So, and it sort of worked out from there. And so, I, I quite enjoyed it, you know, quite enjoyed it. Um, to the point that so I, I think it was a few years later, some, I think it was at Nottingham Forest, the manager put me and played me up front. And I'd completely forgotten how to play, play the position. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine, I can um, understand that because Graeme Shin hadn't played left back in so long. And he was put there against Kazakhstan and had a bit of a nightmare. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's like sometimes you forget. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> but you, um, you, you more than played your part as Aberdeen end up winning winning the league, um, the Coca-Cola Cup as it was then. Um, beating Rangers and it was a significant moment, and then beating Dundee, played Dundee off the park that day. It was two going on quite a few. Um, how did that rank in terms of um, the cups that you've won? Well, if we go back to the the the, the school cup um, when I was younger, so I had the chance to sort of, obviously sort of, this one I sort of, I, I, I can remember a little bit more. I could have enjoyed a little bit more. So um, obviously the pressure was on us a little bit because like you know it was no disrespect that it was Dundee, so we were the favourites. So going into the game, uh, having beat Rangers in the semi final, so. Um, there was a little bit more pressure on us to sort of uh, go and win the game. So, um, but I think, I think as a as a team that day, 
it was it was just a great performance. You know, everybody sort of came and um, and did really really well. Stepped up to the plate um, and managed to put in a performance that was worthy of us winning the cup. So um, yeah, it was it was yeah it was fantastic. So yeah, and uh, you'll remember the celebrations a bit more. I certainly do. Yeah, after the game as well. Um, so on the pitch and things like that, you could just sort of celebrate with your teammates and celebrate with the supporters. Um, and then obviously there's the night night after that as well when you're sort of, uh, with the team, uh, which is which is great. Uh, but that yeah, these these are a special occasions that you want to be involved in. You want to be involved in cups and and winning things. So. Uh, this is where you sort of look back on your career now, you know, so the things that you've won. So I've been lucky enough to be be involved in a few cup finals, you know, um, and so won three, I think lost three. So um, yeah, these are these are great memories to look back on. Yeah, definitely. Stephen Glass is a great memory to look back on because he's got that bike. Um, did he let any <laughs> of you guys have a shot? He's got the bike, yeah. Yeah, so I gave him a little bit of ribbon. He still gets the ribbon for it as well. And I think, um, I don't know, I've seen something in Twitter. It was a bomber jacket or something like that as well. So, yeah, definitely. And and, and worthy of his uh, man in the match. I thought Stevie was, yeah. uh, was brilliant on the day. Brilliant. Like like everybody, I mean, it was... Uh, 11, 11 players there that sort of did really, really well on the night. But I think Steve obviously set up the, the two goals and uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he, was, he was, yeah, he was exceptional, exceptional in the, in the final. Did he let you guys have a shot at the bike in training? I don't know what's happened to the bike. I'm still in touch with Stevie, so I don't know. I, I, I doubt if he's got in America, you know. It was in the Aberdeen Club shop at one point um, when they build up to the okay. League Cup final 2014, but that's the last time I've seen it. I think Ali Beggs uh, had a shot of it. So it's probably, in the museum somewhere. Have it I think. tucked away somewhere. It'll be neither his mum and dad's or something in Dundee. I don't know. It'll be somewhere anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Great moments to look back on. So you then made the decision to leave Aberdeen. Um, and obviously this point a lot of us, I'm not going to lie. Um, mm. But you, I've, I've listened to other interviews, I know there's a bit of regret that you didn't go to Italy, but you chose Coventry mm. because basically it was getting Aberdeen money. How hard the decision was it to initially make that decision and say, I need to leave for the good of my career? Well, it was, yeah, it was, um, it was, a, it was a massive decision um, to make. So to leave a club that, that I loved, you know, just a club that had sort of, it gave me more opportunity, you know, but I just felt that I needed to sort of go in and try something new at that time, you know. Um, obviously, there was the interest in Italy and things like that, but um, um, I felt that Aberdeen needed to get a fee for me um, and Coventry were the only team that came in at that time. Um, I think clubs were waiting to sort of see if they could get me in a bossman, but Coventry were the ones that came in Um and had the trust to me to sort of take me down to sort of see if I could sort of climb a trade in the in the English Premiership, you know. So um, I mean, I, I look back on it now, and no disrespect to Coventry, but it was probably we had some some top players, but it was always a struggle in the relegation side, and you know, um, and it probably wasn't a, it wasn't a, a fit for me uh, as a, as an individual, you know. Um, but I mean, I. I I wouldn't change anything, you know. I'd I, I, near enough two years there. Um, had some fantastic times, met some fantastic players um, and people. And, um, you know, it was just, you can sort of look back. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. You can look back and think, well, 
maybe I should have went to Italy. Maybe it would have been better, more beneficial for me, and it would have suited my style better. Um, but then again, I might have went to Italy, and it might not have worked out. Again, you know, language maybe maybe not settled. So you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but um, I've got yeah. I've got very, very little regrets in, in football, you know. Um, you could maybe maybe make different decisions. You know, but, um, yeah, still still the, the two years was, uh, yeah, met some really special people at Coventry. And you did play a, a, a little role in them staying up in the first season because you scored the yeah. goal against the QPR, which I understand was your first goal. So I think you'll be remembered by Coventry fans for that. Um, and then the next season, um, again, they survived in the last day. You can say you scored at Old Trafford, albeit the wrong end, but you can still yeah. say you scored there. Oh, no, I still, I, I, yeah, I still use that as a claim to fame. Yeah, I've scored at Old Trafford, I've scored for Man United. So, uh, but there's a story behind that. Um, it was a... So when we, we go to Old Trafford and uh, Gordon Strachan sort of pulls me aside and says, oh, I'm going to play in the right wing today, right side midfield. He says, Brian McClare's been playing there. He's been playing on the left side. He says, so I just want you to run off him all day. You can run off him. You've got the legs for him to sort of run off him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So anyway, the team comes in. Brian McClare's not even on the team sheet. And I'm thinking, okay. So anyway, the team lines up and I'm lined up against Ryan Giggs. And I'm like, oh. No, here we go. So um, I, I'm just thinking that the sort of game is going. I'm thinking, well, he's quicker than I am, so I have to give myself like a, at least three, four yard start, you know. And they they had the ball, and I think it was Beckham that had the ball on the right hand side. So I'm like, you know, so I'd, watching the ball, watching the player, like you're supposed to, as in when you're in a defensive situation. And it was like the ball was working down the right hand side. So I'm. So I, Watching the ball, watching, watching, and then all of a sudden, Ryan Giggs disappeared. So he was watching me, watching him, and then when I took my eyes off him, he went. He ran forward. So the, <laughs> the ball's about down the right hand side, and I've, I'm still looking for Ryan Giggs. It could have been sitting in the stand, having like a prawn sandwich. I don't know, but still, this day, I don't know. I couldn't find Ryan Giggs, so I've ended up into the in-yard box and then the ball was played in and I think it was either York or Cole wouldn't have been York shot. at that time it was, it was a Cole then it may have been Cole or it might have been Scholes had a shot actually I can't remember the game no, to be honest it, I just it, remember what happened yeah, anyway anyway the ball broke down and I was in the six-yard box and he took a shot and I'm still trying to find Ryan Giggs and Basically, the ball came towards me, and I tried to try to control it, and it came off my shin and went in the bottom corner. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a yeah it wasn't a great a great day. I mean, that, I was that made it two 0 mm-hmm. um, and then after that, I actually started playing quite well. So you know, I don't know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember I remember quite vividly, and I'm still I'm still trying to find Ryan Giggs in that. I'm still trying to find them, so yeah. But yeah, it's something I'll never forget. Anyway, it was a learning curve for me at uh, 20, 26, 27. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Always learning. 
Yeah, your your goal wasn't as bad as um, Gary Breen's. To be fair, that day. Um, no, but yeah, Breen is. Breen got his as well. So yeah, I wasn't the only one. So he, he can claim as well that he scored for Man United. So. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, in your spell at Coventry, you did manage to do enough to make the United States squad, and you got on against England, albeit the game was unfortunately gone at that point. But mm. great experience being able to be part to say that. Played for Scotland in a major finals, even if it was yeah. a cameo ten yeah. minutes after the game was gone. Yeah, well, yeah, um, just that being involved in sort of '96. Obviously, with what's happened over us, and we've we've found it very difficult to qualify for major tournaments. So, um, yeah, '96 was uh, yeah great, great occasion uh, to be involved in, especially because it was in England as well. Obviously, Wembley, so getting on at Wembley and so for the 15 minutes. Um, and we ended up being so close to then qualifying for the next next phase. But um, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, but yeah, great 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 time to look back on, you know. Um, and yeah, in the fifteen minutes, the fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, I wish it was a wee bit longer. But I remember the, the thing I remember about the Scotland England game is at half time with the, the Scottish fans. Cause we we stayed out to warm up and the Scottish fans. Um, Gave us a rendition with status quo rocking all over the world, and I can remember it was like a little—I don't know how many fifteen thousand Scottish fans in the corner. Yeah, and it was just all the English fans were just like they were just silent, and it was just fifteen thousand just rocking with it, you know. And even now, it's like the you know the hairs in the back of the neck go up. It's just I can remember that like it was yesterday. It was just just unbelievable. You know, just what an atmosphere. Yeah, I think I yeah. think next time they go to Wembley, it'll be I can boogie. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's definitely going to be uh, yeah, I yeah. can boogie. Probably. Yeah, I don't know if the Wembley DJ will play that because I know what will happen, but the Scots will find a way anyway. I mean, there'll just be fifteen thousand doing it, singing it. Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping to be one of them, but we'll wait and see what happens. Oh, I can well, get a ticket. Cool. <laughs> um, so you, you end up going back to. To Aberdeen, and at that point, Aberdeen has spent quite a lot of money on a few players. Mm. Um, so that must have been a culture shock going back to an Aberdeen side that really underperformed um, at that time. Mm. And obviously, Roy lost his job, then Alan comes in, doesn't do particularly great, and then Paul Heggett comes in, it's not great. From your point of view, was it a case of was a lot of frustration thinking this isn't what I signed up for? Because I assume that you would have signed up for Aberdeen to do better, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, the thing with the comedy situation, Gordon Sacken actually sort of pulled me and said, "Look," he said, um, "Aberdeen wants to take you back." You know, it's like we don't have a problem with you actually staying because like you're still good within the group and the the players like in the dressing room. You know, but I can't guarantee you first team football and playing every week, which was you know, which was honest from Gordon Sacken. You know, and obviously with the Scott, it was in the '98 was coming up, the uh, '98 World Cup. And I thought, well, I need to be playing if I'm going to be involved in that. Um, but then, obviously, I went back to the South Aberdeen. And, yeah, you're looking, you're looking again to sort of get back to what it was before, you know, and sort of winning games and sort of vying for trophies, you know. Um, and yeah, for some reason, it just didn't, it didn't materialise at Aberdeen for that sort of two years. So um, again, put your finger on it. Who knows, you know? Because yeah, uh, the club had spent a lot of money and. You know, it just it just didn't materialise. Yeah, I mean, the 89, uh, eight, 89, 98, 99 season, um, 
was, I'll, I'll be honest, if it wasn't for your goals, I think Aberdeen could have went down that season. You scored a lot of very important and very good goals that season. I'm not yeah. suggesting that Aberdeen were a man, one-man team by a stretch of imagination because people still need to give you the ball in order for you to do stuff. But yeah. again, fr- frustrating times because there's a, there's a squad there that potentially could do better. Um, and... I mean, was it a style of football that was a problem? Um, there's been lots of people suggesting that. Um, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about sort of Ebb's, Ebb's style of football... Or... I was just going to come into that soon. Um, I was meaning what um, happened. I don't know. It's just like, it's just difficult to put your finger on it. It's just whether this team just doesn't connect with each other or not, I don't know. Um, you know, whether it was the style of football or not. Uh, it's just these, these things are very difficult. So you can talk about it until... Cows come home and you know just start trying to figure out how things didn't didn't quite work out the way that everybody was expecting it to you know um, along the lines of Ebb, Ebb I mean the thing if you, if you go into examples it's like Ebb was style of football um, it wasn't my cup of tea mm-hmm. you know it wasn't it wasn't the, the the football that I that I wanted to sort of be involved in you know um, so I mean yeah but then again it's like you have to sort of go with what the manager sort of decides to do tactically. So, um, and Ebb, God bless, uh, God rest his soul, you know. Um, fantastic, fantastic individual. Um, there was so much time for him and I've got a bad word to say about him. Um, but the, the football that he played at that time just wasn't the style of football that, that I was used to or wanted to be involved in, you know. Uh, I'll give you an example because Ebb came and... Um, I think we did two wingers at that time and then somebody up front. And that normally was Harold. And um, he pulled me one day and he said, right, said, I'm playing you up front on your own. And I'll play Harold and Robbie either side of you on the wings because you're the only person in the team that can control the ball and then hook it in behind the fullbacks for Robbie and Harold. And I'm like, you need somebody at six foot two to do that. <laughs> to actually hold off two huge centre halves, and that was that was his tactics on that day, um, and I was, yeah, I think I was lost as in, you know, I've, yeah, I can hook it on, but I have to get hold off two centre halves, um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Eb was Eb was a fantastic individual. I, got, I had a lot of time for Eb, you know, and it was just it was just so sad that we've lost him this year, you know. Yeah, there was a, a lot of um, nice tributes came um, Ebb's way because no, no one um, will ever say that Ebb's got the greatest Aberdeen manager ever. Um, but you know, I think at the time Aberdeen were in such a low place, and he's come in from another culture, it was just completely different. Some of the things that he says, like the stats and miniskirts um, stuff, always um, comes up. And uh, but I think he, he was another one that trusted, uh, put a lot of trust in young players like Sir Phil Maguire. Russ Anderson had been in the team before, Darren Young, Derek Young, um, and Darren Mackey, obviously. So he was, he was certainly good from that point of view. It's just a shame that from your point of view, it didn't you didn't quite get that chemistry. Although you got another two cup finals out of it, albeit... Yeah, exactly, yeah. And ones, that was the weird thing, because we were fighting relegation and we got to two cup finals. So we were obviously doing something right in the cup games. But I think I, I, think I said before, the cup games... Something different that takes away the pressure of the league games. So I think that's why we sort of did so well in the cup games. That you know it was like a oh, we've got a cup game now. It's not a league game. You know the pressure's off a little bit. So uh, maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, yeah, it was it was a bizarre year. 
um, getting to two cup finals and and um, being as a relegation battle that we were, it was, it was very strange. And obviously left Aberdeen for a second time, going down to England, um, back into the Premier League with um, Bradford. Yeah. That was a weird time because Bradford obviously have got Carboni and, and Stan Collymore and guys like that, but they're struggling at the wrong end of the table. Jim Jeffries just come in. Just, just sum up the culture of that club at that time. Well, it was, again, so I decided to sort of leave and then um, Bradford sort of came in and sort of took me on loan at the time. So and my, whole, my whole idea sort of was to go down there, sort of do well and then sort of catch the eye of maybe something else, you know, because it was in a, another relegation battle like it was with Coventry. So... Um, but walking into that dressing room um, was yeah, it was it was bizarre to say the least. Not well bizarre, it was just you know, as you said, Stan Collinwood, Benny Carboni, Lee Sharp, um, Dan Petrescu, Dean Saunders, um, you know, just to sort of name a few. Of them. I mean, the dressing room was just full of sort of Premiership stars that had sort of played for played for some sort of big big clubs in the Premier League. So. Um, it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a good environment, you know. There was just yeah, it was just it was just we were so battling. It was just it was just strange. Um, but again, again, it was like a, a relegation battle, and um, it was just it was weird sort of going to that that sort of dressing room with all these sort of major 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 stars that sort of played for for big clubs in the Premier League, but were, were struggling in a way that couldn't get results uh, in the Premier League at that time. Mm. And obviously we then we, we then got rele- relegated. Yeah, and there was a lot of clicks in the dressing room at that time. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think it was, diff- it was a difficult job for Jim Jeffries because he sort of came into that environment and what I got from the dressing room was like, you know, there was a lack of sort of respect for Jim because of, you know, they sort of didn't sort of really recognise what he was about and where he was from, you know. Um, I think coming from Scotland and things like that, I was like... So there was, for me, sort of looking at it, it was, it was difficult for me because it was... I don't think it was a Scottish thing. I think it was just like a... You know, it was just like a... Who's this sort of Jim Jack? Who's, who's this manager, you know? And so there wasn't a respect that... Whereas the Scottish guys would have gave the likes of Gary Lockshire, McCall, and things like that, uh, would have gave. Um, and it was a disappointing. So it wasn't a, wasn't a great environment, I must admit. No, definitely not. And then you end up going to, to Nottingham Forest um, for, for three seasons. You were very close one year to promotion, lost out in the playoffs to um, mm-hmm. Sheffield United, um, and then the club went on a bit of a downward spiral. But you, you ended up living in Nottingham, so it must have had a lasting impression with you. Yeah, I was sat there for 11 years, even when I sat left Nottingham to go to Northampton. But yeah, another uh, another fantastic club to be involved with um, along the lines of sort of Aberdeen with the family atmosphere, um, sort of that environment, you know, so it was easy to settle in. Um, and obviously the first season was, uh, so was involved and we sort of got so close to the playoffs and things like that. So, um, but so I, we, we played... Some great football that year, you know, with some sort of really good players. Um, David Johnson, Marlon Harewood, the 20, 30 plus goals each. You know, um, when you're sort of looking to win things, you need sort of goal scorers, and they were just on fire. Um, but we had some we had some top top quality players in there: uh, Des Walker, Michael Dawson, um, 
Ricky Schumacher, Gareth Williams, uh, Jim Brennan, Matty Lujon. Um, we some really good. We played some really good football. The way that I wanted to be in, uh, in, involved in football, you know, um, just the way that Forest, it's the Forest way, you know, which is which goes back to the Clough, you know, pass, pass the ball, ball with the deck, pass the ball. Um, and it was a, it was a great, great, great club to be involved in. Did you ever get the chance to meet Cluffy at any point before he passed no. away in 2004? No. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was in a situation I wanted to sort of meet him. I knew that he was, uh, he used to come to some of the games, not all of them, but he used to come and you would sort of know and you would, it would filter through that he was at the games. So, yeah, I would have liked to have met him. But then again, if I did meet him, I would be, you know, I'd be nervous to sort of see what, you know, he would, if, what he would say or, you know, <laughs> just, but, I mean, some of the boys I've sort of been involved with, Steve Sutton, who played on the cloth, um, Steve Chettle, um, Nigel Jemson, or sort of Forest players still play, stay in Nottingham. And, uh, I mean, some of the stories they tell, but cloth is just, Steve Chettle tells us a story about Nigel Clough that, um, Steve Chettle just broke into the first team and uh, him and another, I can't remember, uh, another one of the youth team players, but they were away to go play in uh, Europe um, or like a, they were going to Europe for a pre-season somewhere anyway. So they, they came to meet the the bus in the morning to then go to the airport and uh, they've arrived, you know, just a tracksuit on. So Brian Clough's called Steve Chettle and the other youth player to his office. So the two of them are sitting outside his office and then it's like, they don't know where it's, it's like, well, it's like, uh, maybe it's a new contract, things like that. And Steve Chettle's like, oh, my dad says, don't sign it. Don't sign it until we sort of talk over. So Steve Chettle, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to do the same, I'm going to do the same thing. So Steve Chettle goes in to see Brian Clough and Steve Chettle can actually do this, the voice of Brian Clough. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, yeah, he says, um, he's laid down his contract on the table. He says, yeah, I'm going to offer you that. Sign there, son. Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, I want to speak to my dad. No, you sign there. This is your contract. And Steve, Steve Chettle was like, no, no, I'm sorry, Gaffer, but I need to speak to my, my dad about it. And uh, he said, well, if you don't sign there, you're not going on the trip. To the... And Steve Chettle was like, but no, I want to speak to my dad. He's like, right, um, take your tracksuit off. You're not going on the trip. He's like, what? Take your tracksuit off. He made him strip, take his tracksuit off. Had to take his tracksuit off. He's in, just in his pants. <laughs> and he, he had to leave the office. He says, you're not going on the trip. And he didn't go. Wow. <laughs> the other youth team player who was outside came in and signed the contract. So he went on the trip. So they came back after the trip and Brian Clough called Steve Chettle in, the, in his office and he said, right, he said, um, he said, um, I really like what you did and you stood up to me. He said, um, there's a new contract, yeah, for another 100 quid on the contract. Mm, nice. And that's how we worked. <laughs> he didn't go on the trip, made a strip, took his underpants <laughs> <laughs> and told them to go home because they wouldn't be going on a trip. Brilliant. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a win-win for both parties, I think, there. 
Yeah, right. just like that. Yeah, he, it's similar, just a, a different, yeah. different level. Brian Clough, fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Um, you won't see his like a game at a, um, at a club like that for sure. Um, no. um, and then you end up your career at Northampton um, for a couple of years before you retired. But there was a promotion in there, so it was um, yeah. there were some good times in there. Yeah. Um, again, thoroughly enjoyed myself at Northampton. A great little club. Um, and with, with the first season, Colin Calder was the manager. Um, he sort of brought myself in, um, Sean Dyche. And Ian Taylor um, from Villa. So three th- three experienced him with a with a great environment within the dressing room, great great camaraderie, great team spirit, and that really helped us that season to sort of get, uh, gain promotion. Um, it was just like a mixture of sort of experience, um, youth, you know, legs, and um, yeah, it was a. Really, really good, uh, good uh, environment to be involved in. And obviously, we sort of got to our end goal and sort of getting promotion. So um, it was, and then the, the the next year after that, um, so Colin Colin left and and went to went to Nottingham Forest of all places. So, um, but yeah, I played two years there. And really enjoyed my time. Yeah, in Northampton. Yeah, man, you end up back at Forest as a coach, but unfortunately it's tainted by the fact that you had your stroke in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously a scary scenario. So how did it all come about and how did you know that it was um, what was happening or did you know what was happening? Um, well, so I got up in the morning so I had um, a shower. I was actually going to go to the gym and um, I took a shower and then so I sat in the end of the bed. Um, I tried to lift my socks Try to lift my sock up to I couldn't I couldn't grab the sock. And then uh, so I tried what's what's going on? And uh, I couldn't speak. And then I had a little bit of drool and I just didn't know what was happening. Um, and then the only way I knew was the advert on the TV at that time that gave you the signs of the stroke. But I'm thinking, you know, I'm only you know, 38, I can't be mm-hmm. having a stroke, but I went to the mirror and my face had dropped. Um, so, and again, it was like, yeah, stupid of me. I, I phoned the club, I phoned, uh, I phoned the club to get the club doctor's phone and then the, then the ambulance came. And by, the, by the time the ambulance came, I was actually feeling okay, but then, um, of course, I'm like a typical man. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I don't you know, like getting an ambulance. So then get taken to the hospital. And then while I was in hospital, I again had another stroke in front of the spe- uh, in front of the doctor. And then they they yeah they rushed me up to the cardiac unit and and not a specialist cardiac unit. Um, and then yeah, so and so I diagnosed with a stroke. So. Uh, scary time and very lucky that I've not got any, um, you know, some underlying effects from it. So, and then they eventually found out that um, the hole in the heart had a hole in the heart, which then yeah, had to get sort of closed. So, very lucky. Yeah, definitely, and it just makes you appreciate things like the NHS. I mean, I know that's something that's become apparent more so in 2020 with the COVID going on but yeah. it's something that shouldn't be taken for granted and you obviously know that from your own experience. Oh without a doubt I mean you have to be put in that situation they were they were incredible uh, the whole sort of, uh, the whole the whole of the NHS uh, from from start to finish to to get the diagnosis to just do everything 
do everything right, you know. Um, so, yeah, I have to count myself very lucky because, you know, with a stroke, it could be the end or you could have some underlying effects, you know, paralysis and things like that. So um, I have to count myself very lucky that um, I haven't I haven't got that. Yeah, well, we're glad that, um, that your health has um, continued to improve since then and you're mm. in a good place now. Um, mm. So... Um, Come back to a couple of things about Aberdeen. Um, so two two notable um, things that have happened to you. Um, you've been named. You were named in the Hall of Fame in 2018, and then last mm-hmm. year, one of the Cormac pitches um, as voted for by the fans was named after you. No, yeah. um, asking the obvious here, but just um, describe the feeling um, and the honour of uh, of the, of those things. Well, the the, the Hall of Fame thing. Just um, in, um, just incredible, you know. To be, so be put into um, that sort of company um, was just uh, just a great, great honour, you know. And the likes of Willie and Alec and and Jim Bet and you know, so sort of going back, um, just yeah, uh, still gets uh, yeah, still gets uh, quite uh, emotional about it anyway when we talk about it. So it's it's something that's yeah. Something that can be taken away, something that um, it's always going to be there. So, yeah, yeah, very nice, very nice. And then obviously the 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 pitch as well, the Colmar Park, um, and that's that's special as well because that's that's been voted by by the fans, you know. Um, and again, you know, for them to do that because there was so many so many players that they could have voted to 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 have the have a have a pitch named after and then so. It was a big surprise to me, um, but again, uh, a fantastic honour. Yeah, I, th- I think the main reason um, why you were voted one, obviously, the impact you made in the pitch, but also because you were a local boy who came through the youth system and you know fulfilled a, a dream that every um, every Aberdeen fan would have loved. So you know you're always representing them in that way and having the career mm. that you did. So I think um, from Aberdeen fans' point of view, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but it just sums mm. up what you mean to the club. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. When the fans have the fans have voted for it, that just uh, adds a little bit, uh, just makes it a bit more more special, you know. Um, and it's yeah, it's been it's been a long time coming, Comet Park, you know, just to have that facilities. I mean, Alex Smith talked about it so, when we played so, thirty years ago. Um, you know, was sort of trudging at Seaton Park or or the barracks. Uh, and it was it was well documented that that was needed, and it never sort of came to fruition, you know. Uh, so it'd be yeah, would I love to be playing now with that facility? It would be uh, it'd be something good. Yeah. Have you been to see the facility yet? No, not yet. No. Um, hopefully, I'll get it at some point if I'm if I'm back. Obviously, this year I've not managed to sort of get back because yeah. the COVID restrictions. So um, at some point, it would be nice to sort of go down and and have a look and maybe sort of grace. The the ingest pitch, I don't know. That'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. As long as people are sort of wiping their feet before they go in there. So. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Maybe there's a, a wee, wee mat for them. <laughs> Hopefully there's a mat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll end um, with a few um, quick fire questions. So you knew these were coming. Um, so what's um, what was your favourite ground to play in first of all? Petrodri. Apart from Petrodri, sorry. Apart from Petrodri. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Scotland or just in... Anywhere. I used to love playing at Ibrox. Yeah. 
<laughs> I used to love it. I used to love every single minute of it. Just as in just because, yeah, Rangers fans just didn't like me. So I used to thrive on the fact that they used to like me. So I remember getting booed. Uh, I think I scored that day as well. I remember, so I, I, I got stitched up by one of the papers. Because Rangers and Celtic were going for the league. So I was asked the question, who would you want to win the league? And then I said Celtic because Rangers had won it, I think, six or seven years in the trot. And I just thought that Scottish football needed a change. And I said Celtic. So the headline, <laughs> headline in the paper was Jess wants Celtic to win the league. So I came, <laughs> I came off the bus at Ibrox where about 5,000 Rangers fans waiting for me. To come off the bus, so I came. My mum was my mum was waiting for tickets, so I've came off the bus. Well, I got hammered. They, they, yeah, they were not liking the fight. So anyway, and I, so anyway, came in. I've came out for the warm up. Booed, booed. I was getting booed every time I touched it. Every time I touched it, and then I scored. <laughs> so for me, that's like yeah. I used to thrive on that, not only Ibrox, whether it be like in the way, you know, if you're getting a little bit of stick and you perform well or score or win the game, then, you know, that's just nice. But I actually quite enjoyed playing at Ibrox because it suited my my style of game. It was like a, it was a game of football, you know, it wasn't like you get on the deck. So it was like, you got a little bit more space, bizarrely enough, against Rangers and the bigger teams, you get a bit more space, you know. Um, so that that sort of suited my style, um, but a lot of the, the, the Rangers fans give me stick because they think that I only played against Rangers, but I scored more goals against Celtic than I did against Rangers. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so um, so Ibrox is my answer. It's a quick fair round. <laughs> yeah. um, to, see, to be fair, your answer to that um, that question, um, who do you rather win the league, at, um, Rangers and Celtic, should have been Aberdeen. Um, you could have got all out. No, we weren't. <laughs> well, we weren't in the running. I had the choice of uh, Rangers and Celtic, but they, I got stitched up because, like, mm-hmm. obviously the headline isn't it what I said. Yeah. As in, I had a reason for them wanting to win the league but we weren't even near yeah. winning the league that year so no. the, the Glasgow press are a fickle bunch so um, they, they, <laughs> they, would, they would trust anything that Aberdeen player says been there at the time so um, theme of goals now so um, what's your t- personal top three Ian Jess goals from your time um, not in any sort of order um, wow Wow, I've got I've got a few more than three. But I suppose I have to oh, I know that. Three, I'm trying to narrow it down for you because <laughs> if I was the person yeah. Aberdeen fans, we struggle. So if you're struggling, we're all st- st- stumped. The, well, this is going. There was a goal against Hearts that yes. scored at Petrodi. My left foot. That oh, two, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I collected the ball on the halfway line and then drifted past about four or five players and then. The Dick Donald was now up at that time. It was just in uh, getting built. And I had to do my left foot in the bottom corner. Quite enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite enjoyed my first goal against them firmly. The first, the first one? First goal. 
No, the second one. No, the first one was a tap in, wasn't it? Yeah. Second one. It was two. It was too many goals in that game. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the second one when I saw I turned David Moyes. Mm-hmm. It was David Moyes that I saw. Yeah, he's still yes. looking for me. He's like me looking for Ryan Giggs. So, <laughs> uh, and then Hans, and then yeah, and then it was the free kick at Dundee United. I think that was yeah. my last goal for Aberdeen. Yeah, that would have been yeah, one of your last ones. I think so it was that... in my last goal, and then uh, obviously the Rangers, mm-hmm. the 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 thirty-five. Yeah, well, I'll say 35 yarder. <laughs> Might have just been 30, but I'll say 35. Yeah, 30, um, 35. So that, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, so a nice top three with four goals there. Thanks for that, Ian. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've got a few more. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. Listen, a top 10 would be difficult, let alone a top three. So <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine. So um, yeah. I, I need to ask this question then with regards to um, there was an only excuse joke about um, the Predator football boots which you wore. Um, and the only excuse joke was that we could, it was so revolutionary, it could make Brian Irvin kick the ball straight. And Brian, in his autobiography, said that someone placed your predator boots underneath his um, peg was it you no because i can't remember that i can't remember that i can't even remember the quote the predator boots oh my god they were like yeah they were like michelin tires they were so heavy the first first ones i was one of the first ones to wear them to be fair so um but they were like oh my god they were so rigid and they were heavy Actually, I actually blame them boots for because uh, I broke my foot in the boxes on like a Saturday morning before Kilmarnock. We mm-hmm. played Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock, and we still used to do the boxes. And I broke my foot, nobody near me, but them boots, I had them boots on. I blame them, stress fracture on my foot because of them predator tired Michelin star, Michelin, Michelin star, Michelin boots, <laughs> Michelin. Um, but no, no, it wasn't me. Uh, I would yeah. admit to something like that. No, I can't yeah. remember, so I wouldn't. No, it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. The, the investigation goes on to 24 years later. <laughs> I told you before in the interview, I wasn't there, like one for doing pranks. I was yeah. just to keep like my nose clean. Mm-hmm. You're more <laughs> shy than what you let Brian. on. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, big Brian. No chance. Too nice a man. Yeah, he is. To be fair, um, lovely, lovely guy. Um, Who's the best player you've saw in the flesh? Or played against? Wow. This is not very quick fire, is it? I shouldn't have answered. Best player I've seen in the flesh? That's a difficult question. I've got so many again. Yeah. Well, we we've played against. Yeah, you can go with played against, yeah. We, we've nicknamed this the slow fire round, actually. I should maybe said that. This, this <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like a question before but then gave another answer but I'll go with Andre because he was just incredible yeah. we like our pie chat in the podcast um, what's your favourite pie at, um, at football oh, or in general I love a macaroni pie but do you get them at football 
I think you do something. Yeah, you do these days because obviously um, you've got to give the vegetarian. Home, the football, I usually go to the the bakers and put soy and have a macaroni pie. Yeah. A, a wee macaroni, macaroni, macaroni cheese pie. See, we'd never so I'd no go to the football, so it's like we were always playing, so it was never yeah. in the stands buying pies. Aye, that's true. <laughs> and then if we were lucky enough, we'd be in the VIP area, so we're just like... Then <laughs> <laughs> so, I used to love the steak pies you used to get at uh, Pataudry. Yeah, I don't know whether like these days I've not been to Pataudry for yeah, a while. No. They went through uh, a stage. No, I'd love to be a, yeah, a, a macaroni pie. If I had a choice, it would be a macaroni pie. Point. Um, and I'll ask the uh, uh, big question here. So, if you were asked to be part of a Don's boy band, which four members are you taking with you? Don's boy band. Oh my god. Um, hey, Booty, Booty, Scott Booth, obviously. Uh, not because he's good looks anymore. <laughs> well, we'd have to be because good looks because he's not a good dancer and he can't sing. So, uh, Booty. Billy Dodds. Have I got three? Right, so you're one of them. So it's you, Scott Booth, and um, Billy Dodds. Two more. We'll have a five-piece. Ali Beck can be the producer. Half the producer. He can be the agent. He can be the agent. We'll have to go with Charlie Nicholas back in the day when he was younger. That's a good choice. <laughs> so Charlie Booty. Dodsey. Dodsey. Marcel. <laughs> Why is it I'm thinking about it as anybody's sort of good looking or not? It doesn't have such, such bias, does it? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was anybody who could actually sing. <laughs> don't know if there was anybody who could actually sing. That doesn't always mean anything about a boy band, to be fair. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> or a dancer or something, I don't know. Uh, let me have a wee look at my list here. It's uh, just it's, uh, my, no, my team. No. I'll go with Big Zeus, Big John Ingalls again. Ali, Ali put him in as well, so yeah. Big Zeus. The big Greek god. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, it's not long to Christmas. What's your favourite Christmas movie? These are just definitely not quite fire, are they? <laughs> uh, um, Christmas movie. Don't know any Christmas movies come to hand. Like, we'd like getting the we, CV on. Well, we skip that then. <laughs> Where's that always? Yeah. <laughs> that's a voice. Fair enough. It's played around a bit. It's always Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. Aye, to be fair, no, it home is. Home Alone. Old. Home Alone. Yeah. Aye. That, 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 was, that was on when you were starting playing, so that's how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll, um, your career highlight. Career highlights. Uh, just the the cup games, winning the winning the cups. Okay. So I've I've been yeah, uh, the the three that I've won. Um, yeah. Obviously yeah, the yeah the highlight the yeah the highlights is winning things. So it's like the three the three, three cups. Obviously didn't start in the the Celtic one. 
Um, so if you're going to look at one, then it would be the Scott Cup when I was 18. So. Yeah, I'll put you out of your misery. Um, name your best uh, 11 from your playing career. Oh, well, I, 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 yeah, I've, I've done my homework in that one. So. <laughs> but it was difficult, and it's probably changed from the last one that I've done. So uh, Snell does then go. Yeah. Again, difficult because of Jim Layton. Um, but I've gone with Theo because, yeah, Theo, uh, I played more years, I think, with Theo than I did with Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, right back, difficult one again because I've got McKimmy and Stephen Wright. And Stephen Wright used to be my roommate, so we used to sort of uh, live in an apartment together, so I'll have to go with Stevie Wright. Sorry, Stuart. Uh, my central pairing is McLeish and Miller. Can't go anywhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did take note that uh, Des Walker at Nottingham Forest Mm -hmm. and Michael Dawson at Nottingham Forest, who were, were two Great centre halves as well. Yeah. Um, my left back, uh, David Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've got a midfield, uh, Paul Merson. Uh, Paul, Mer- Paul, Paul Merson. Paul Mason. <laughs> yeah. Massey. Massey has to be in. Massey was just, I loved uh, playing alongside Paul Mason. He was just great, great player, great ability. Um, yeah. Um, my midfield, centre midfield is uh, Jim Bett and Gary McAllister. And then I've got my left side midfield is Andy Reid, who I played at Nottingham Forest with. He went on to have a great career with the Republic and, and Spurs. Um, and then my front two. So I've got Hans, Hans Hillhouse. And then if, if I'm not playing... I mean, yeah. I mean, this is one. This was a difficult one. So if I'm managing or I'm the coach, then see, I'm, yeah, that's just in there. I'd, I'd, yeah, but I have to go with. I'll go with an Aberdeen one. But I, I was lucky enough with a Dublin Huckabee, no wheeling at Coventry, uh, played Coist in Scotland, um, David Johnson at Nottingham Forest, Marlon Harewood. Uh, Carboni, um, so it has to be an Aberdeen one. So either it has to be uh, Duncan Shearer or Dodsey. So I'm gonna go with Big Dunk. Be Big Duncan Shearer. Yeah, because out and out goal scorer. Just Duncan was just yeah, goal hardly missed the target. Big Dunk, did he? So, yeah, he I'll go with Big Dunk. Yeah, he would he was my choice as well. As much as I like Billy Dodds, Duncan Cheerer edges it for me. Yeah, well Dodgy I enjoy playing with Dodgy as well, which is just a difficult one, but uh yeah, Kobe Dodgy will be disappointed, but I'll, I'll, yeah, he's on the bench, Dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And who's managing that team? Oh it's well it's me. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> no, uh who's managing Alex Smith? Yeah, I thought you'd say that. Yeah. No, listen, um, thank you very much for um, your time, Ian, welcome, going back over your, your career. It's been fantastic talking to you. And um, you have a nice uh, 50th birthday. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Ian. Cheers, Ian. I'll be home by 10, so. <laughs> uh, uh, people hold you to that. <laughs> I, had, I, had these, I had these massive plans and things like that, but obviously that's just 
COVID has just uh, took that all away. So <laughs> I'll be, yeah, I'll have pipe and slippers on at 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Dead exciting. Cheers again, Ian. Brilliant. No problem, John.